0: Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 170 A Missile Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, he's Frances Tomas, and I say unfortunately, Frances, it's time to talk about El Clasico, of course, the 0-0 draw between Barcelona and Real Madrid, and, you know, since that happened, if you are Patreon, you already heard it in a Quick Take Match Review, where both you and I gave a few opinions, but since that time, it's been a few hours, I went to work, and still awake, and you got to sleep on it. So I wonder who's going to be crankier, the one who slept on it or the one who's still thinking about it?
1: Um, Well, welcome, everyone. I I think that anyone who watched the game is going to be a little bit cranky, to be honest. I went to sleep around 1 in the morning, woke up super early this morning again, and um, now I still feel the same. I think that it was a disappointing classical from every perspective, but certainly from the Barca perspective, um, a goalless draw hasn't happened for many, many years. But it wasn't just... The, the result because you know, at the end of the day, the ball that goes within the three posts or, or, or doesn't. It's more about the sensation that Barca are drifting further and further away from what Barca should be.
0: Yeah, before we talk about what this means in the big picture and the long run, I do want to talk. We rarely do this, but because it's all classical, I want to talk about this game in particular. Some players played well for Barca. And I think some didn't. And, and I usually, you know, on that spectrum, there are players who are middling and you say, I'm not sure what kind of performance they had. But I thought, you know, I'm going to throw the names out there. I thought De Jong, Alba, Piquet, Der Stegen, Roberto, Messi to a point, Griezmann to a point. So those two are kind of in the middle were good on that side of the spectrum. And then I thought Suarez, Rakitic, Langley, Semedo all didn't really have the best day. And that's why I think all of those things considered, some players were good, some not so good, we ended with a 0-0 draw. And I think on the same side for Real Madrid, you could say the same thing for them. Mendy had a good day, as did Valverde. And I guess Casemiro had a good day. But by that, I mean he was just hacking Messi to pits, Beasts uh, for over 90 minutes. Uh, and then Benzema had a good day. But then you saw Bale had not such a great day. Isco really didn't affect the match. Varane had a pretty difficult day. Uh, and then Ramos was Ramos. So, you know, Real Madrid had the same thing. I think that's why this one ends in end 0-0 uh, after all of that. But. I think individually, players, as I said, who played well, Alba was a big surprise and a bright spot for me because in the first 45 minutes coming back, he played a little bit against Real Sociedad, obviously went 71 minutes, looked to be almost match fit, but clearly match fit for this one. And thankfully, Alba was match fit because Real Madrid could have been, it could have been curtains for Barcelona early if not.
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, picking up on what you said, I think it was about time that Valverde had a good match at the Camp Nou. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't the right Valverde for us. It was the Madrid player, but there you go. (laughs) <laughs> um, out of your list, I would say Langley actually better um, than, than what you said, in my opinion. I think with Pique, that he, he was quite central to the fact that Madrid didn't score. Um, I was looking at uh, different stats this morning, 17 shots Madrid had uh, towards Barca. I think it was nine altogether yep, that's right. and only one or two on goal. Um, it's, it's quite baffling that pass at the camp, no, can do so poorly up front. But um, going back to what I was saying, Lenglet and Pique, I think they partnered fairly well. Um, and they were, what we say in Spanish, infranqueables, which is unbeatable. Um, definitely in the air, but they were quick to react. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, there were many, many players that were mediocre. And they didn't reflect the, the badge that they're wearing. And they certainly don't reflect the amount of money they get paid for it.
0: Well, yeah, the pushback I have on Langley isn't necessarily an individual performance because defensively, not only did I think he was good, but I think he's one of the best in the world at that position. The yellow card was absolutely necessary. Uh, And yeah, I think he's a brick wall back there. But when dealing with that pressure, and we can talk about the the systemic issues as to why Luis Suarez is to blame and that midfield three certainly can harbor some of the blame, but Langley as a player— and I kind of been saying this this year in a way that I didn't last year, that his inability to break that pressure with either dribbling uh, into space and opening up a, a smaller gaps and smaller the spaces to try to combine with, with midfielders uh, and create triangles there. But I thought that his inability not only to dribble, but his inability for those 12 to 15 yard passes that bypass even DeYoung or bypass another midfielder on the ground to break lines, it just wasn't there. And merited, I think the runs and the tracking back from Luis Suarez certainly was hot and cold in this game. Mainly cold, not so much hot. And so as I said, we can talk we're gonna talk about Suarez later. So I don't want you to respond with that. But I think Langley to me defensively one of the top top class center backs in the world but he is and i think maybe always will be unless he gets better in the off season in the same way that we talk about basketball a lot but steph curry was a turnover prone machine he still turns the ball over a lot now obviously he's into this year but he still turns the ball over but his handles and his ball handling ability got better and in the same way, if Langley over these off seasons winds up being much, much better at passing and that winds up being a part of his skill set, actually, as it did with Virgil van Dyke, who with, at back at Celtic was not really great at passing. And van Dyke has kind of turned himself into a ball playing center back. If Langley can do that and change his game and evolve, he's going to be a top, top class center back. But I think just the way he profiles is limited, and Madrid was able to capitalize on the fact that he's limited, but PK is also not really mobile. And Piquet had an outstanding defensive performance as well. But once again, Piquet's inability to be able to shuffle past or dribble his way past defenders, uh, or excuse me, the, the opposing press, that winds up hampering Barcelona quite far back in their, own, uh, in their own half, and particularly when the midfield's not combining and you don't have your forwards coming back to receive the ball either.
1: Sure, um, and I think that Madrid have to take some credit for that because the amount of pressing they did throughout the whole pitch was, in my eyes, outstanding. Not necessarily on a one-to-one basis, but as a as a cohesive unit, and that's what Barca didn't have. Um, if you think about it, when Barca only pressed whenever Messi and Suarez decide to, which is not very often, and because um, no one else really knows when those two are going to start pressing, particularly Suarez, because you know Messi has to be fresh moving forward, and we sort of accept that. It's just the team doesn't really know when Suarez is going to be up for pressing. Therefore, the consistency and the gaps, uh, the consistency is not there, and the gaps obviously pop up. Um, in Madrid's perspective, they were pressing throughout. Um, obviously, the, the rules of football have changed in the t- sense that players can actually receive the ball inside the area from a goal kick, for example. And that's how Pique and Le were positioned, which is how many, many teams in world football are positioned this season now that the rules have changed. But um, they were pressed so, so quickly and so closely that in order to, to break that, Ter Stegen had to pretty much boot the ball up to Suarez, who was coming back far too sort of close to his own field, his own part of the field. And from then on, it was very difficult to build. Uh, I think the non-inclusion of Busquets um, proved much more important than, to be honest, I had anticipated and he had two people pressing him the whole time. I think it was Benzema trying to sort of close the, the direct pass from Terstegen And then someone behind him with, I believe, was Valverde. Um, even though Valverde was also coupled up with the with young. So it was very difficult to build. And um, it's not necessarily the fact that Barca couldn't break it. It's the fact that Madrid, which was obviously um, irrelevant, but it's the fact that Madrid kept it up for the whole match. Because normally teams get tired of doing that to Barca. But the thing is, because we didn't have control of the ball, because the criteria when on the ball wasn't necessarily there. There were a couple of clumsy passes here and there. The movement just you know, didn't seem to happen as it should have. Everything accumulated and, and made Barca basically unable to build from the back and not build much going forward.
0: Yeah, so two responses to that, I think, are really important to realize why this El Clasico is a little different in terms of Zidane's uh, tactics here, was that uh, well, one, I want to respond to Busquets, whether it was a technical decision, as some of the assistants said, or it was actually sickness, as i said. I actually, I, I think this is probably the hottest take I'm going to give you, because, you know, I'm I'm not too good about the burning takes here. But I think whether or not that was Busquets or Rakitic, or actually it, was, it would have been Roberto. So whether or not that was, it was the young Rakitic, Busquets, or whether what we saw was the young Rakitic uh, and Roberto. I don't think it really would have mattered because Real Madrid was going to go through with the same game plan. And my issue with that midfield, I guess maybe this midfield three in particular, because they hadn't really featured together when Rakitic wasn't playing at the start of the year. That's when Roberto was getting a few opportunities in midfield. Hadn't played in midfield basically since October, other than that, that uh, I believe it was the Catalonia match as well. He got a start in midfield, but that doesn't count at all. Uh, so yeah, De Jong really the only normal fe- feature, fixture, they are all uh, season who had played with the other two. So all that said, though, the space between the three, and this is when you, going back to your initial point that you made about Barcelona, I don't want to compare things to Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets, and obviously that's the gold standard, but I think where they should be still the gold standard to try to emulate, you can't possibly do and emulate their brains and what was between their ears, but you can try to emulate the space that they occupied on the field in conjunction to one another. And there were times in that game, and I, you know, I've watched it at Smithfield Hall, Uh, at the NYC Pena in New York, and I'm almost at the bar and I'm writing notes like a crazy person uh, and I have in my notes here I have my, my are you I, I do I have my You're little notes in the bar <laughs> I am with my little pen on my in my little Dad, note why pen. are you
1: doing that just be a normal person and socialize <laughs> that's what you go there for
0: but that's why people tune into the podcast <laughs> for this kind of stuff here uh, and I did have it I did have it in my little book here uh that there were a number of times in that match when in the 51st minute Langley gave the ball away and the whole bar moans. right but when I looked at where Madrid were pressing, De Jong and Rakitic and Roberto were so far, almost 15 to 20 yards away from each other. And honestly, those kind of things can't happen when you need some kind of release valve out of the back there. And even when Ling Le was fighting De Young, who was working incessantly, I thought he was my... Barcelona version of the man of the match, because his work rate, particularly in the second half, when Alba dipped a little bit because he seemed to get a little bit tired, he's not match fit, Rakitic seemed to slow down, Messi also slowed down considerably, and I believe it was about the 80th minute when when Modric and Ravigo came on, it almost worked in conjunction with Messi slowing down, Suarez slowed down, and De Jong just seemed to pick his level up, and De Jong was the one who was, along with Arturo Vidal, who came in as a sub, was going to fight for that draw. And that's crazy to say at the camp, no, that Barcelona were fighting for draw, but that's what it became. And I think, again, the issue here is that De Young and Rakitic and Roberto are just so, so far away from one another. Uh, and, and, and that just, again, decos of Valverde. Because if he's seeing that happen, particularly in that first half, when Barcelona were doing the same thing, were being pressured, because Zidane went with that same full-on press the entire match. And because Valverde did not in any way change that up or fix it up in ways that he did previously this season when when he was able to turn Barcelona around and they have had some dominating performances this season uh, but this was not going to be one of those because Valverde didn't really have an answer it was oh let's bring on Vidal's energy and most likely when Vidal came on you felt that it was going to be 0-0 and he brought on Fati hoping that Fati for Griezmann was going to uh, inject some life and maybe add that width that really wasn't there for Barcelona all match so yeah my the discouraging thing for me was De Young Rakitic and Roberto's spacing. And people blame Rakitic, but I think Busquets would have been in the exact same position as Rakitic. And he might have given the ball away more than Rakitic did, because Rakitic, that whole match, I only counted, I have two little strokes on my paper of when Rakitic really gave the ball away in places where he probably should have even found the man forward.
1: For sure. And then the other point to that is as great as Ansu Fati is, he's not going to unbalance a classical in five, six minutes, isn't it? No. Came in the 83rd, and he's within... What, seven, eight minutes? He's not going to do it, um, unfortunately, because he's, he's still 17. I think people forget that. Um, the other point is that Barca were actually better in the first 10 minutes sort of thing. But then they, they delude. They just stop. They It's like they don't believe that, all right, so we're going to play close enough to the Barca way. And after 10 minutes of trying that way, if it doesn't work, then we're just going to... Give the ball away. We're just gonna sort of hold back and um, become the Barça of transitions, the Barça of two areas, the Barça that sort of plays on a punch-to-punch, um, same-level basis with pretty much any team that plays them. Whether it be Leganés or Getafe or oh. Liverpool or, or, or Real Madrid, it's just it's just different to what what we should be doing. It's different from what critics expect, and unfortunately, that's that's where we are. I, I think that. Also, at this point, we need to stop getting surprised when Barça play this way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it, Barça have been playing this way for the best part of a year and a half, two years. Um, every time that there's a, a, a huge match like this, it seems to be like a shock of the world, like we've never seen it before. This is the way that Valverde thinks Barça can do better. You know, I don't think. I mean. No, I don't think he does this. I mean, it would be nonsensical to do this. I don't think Valverde tries to sabotage the way that Barca play. I think that he genuinely believes that counter-attacking with a solid defense um, for you know uh, the vast majority of the match, to be honest, is the best way to to get results. And that's really, really sad. And uh, as fans, we need to understand that this is what it is. This is what Valverde is trying to propose um Barca just cannot dominate games anymore. And the fact is that even when they can, e.g. the first 10, 12 minutes, they give it up. They give it up because they think that you know matches have to have different, different parts, different transitions, different sections. And they give the ball up to, in a way, play to their advantages. But the thing is, when you are playing on a counter-attacking game, then you need someone who is much faster than Suarez can be. Um, certainly not for 90 minutes. Um, I know we said it at the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't think Suarez is fit for to, to play 90 minutes in every single match. You know, he would be uh, at best 60, 65 minutes, or the, the other option is bringing him on with 30, 35 minutes to go. I don't think he's fit for that. And then, obviously, the last variable up front is the third, well, the second winger, the Dembele, basically, or the Neymar. Um, Griezmann is not that sort of player. He, he wants the ball on his feet. He's someone who runs into spaces, but he doesn't have the speed. He certainly does not have the know-how, dynamism, and speed and pace to to break through the way that Dembele does. And, uh, you know, he does get criticized for his finishing product. But the thing is, I know we've been saying this for three years, but he's still young and and he's in a sort of learning curve. But yesterday with Dembele, it would have been a a different game because he would have run into those spaces that, to be honest, he felt like he had to create himself. And uh, the same goes for Neymar, but obviously... That's a whole new Pandora's box.
0: Yeah, I, I think I want to talk a little more about Suarez, but let's take a break first. Now, coming back from this break, Frances, I, I want to go on a point that the Spanish football podcast with Sidlow uh, actually made earlier in the week about Luis Suarez, that Suarez, we all agree, and we've all seen it now, the decline of him physically over the course of 90 minutes. But the issue has, has been since Griezmann showed up is that Griezmann does everything that you need a Barcelona player to do, dropping in deep, combining especially for Valverde where he's defending he's dropping in he's combining and that's getting better and better as, as the weeks go on with uh, playing alongside Messi but when it comes to Luis Suarez he not only does he find Messi he's the perfect release valve for Messi he com- he's combining a little bit better with teammates as well uh, he had one one two with uh, De young in this match when De young got his one shot uh, on on goal uh, and I thought that Suarez in this match did have rare moments of the eight chances that Barcelona did manage to get around Courtois' area. Five of them had to do with build-up with Luis Suarez. Uh, and there were times, I think, in this match, and this is really important, that when he's able, to, when he was able to stay on the ball and find a teammate soon after, whether it was a 10, 15-yard pass, and particularly I, I think of pr- probably the best chance of the whole game in the 41st minute, wind up not being on goal, but Suarez I don't remember who it was. I think it was either Varane or uh, Casemiro winds up, I I think it could have been a foul, but he goes to the ground, kept the ball loose and got it to De young. De young then gives to Messi, who then goes with that ball over the top to Alba. Alba winds up shooting it wide. But for me, even though it wasn't on net, that was the best opportunity. And that all became because Luis Suarez was able to keep the ball up. And there are times when it seems like he's making the right runs and doing the right thing. But as we said, physically, he can't do that for a full 90. But as Sidlow said on the podcast on Monday, Luis Suarez scores goals. That, that's what he still does at a high, high level. And not only does he score uh, Galazos as we know, but he just he puts the ball in the back of the net in a way that that no other player for Barca, uh, no other center forward, have we say, uh, has done in, in quite some time. And so uh, until Barca can figure out how to put the ball in the back of the net without the likes of Luis Suarez, then they have an issue. But this is a chicken or the egg thing, right? Because Barca are getting less opportunities on goal in Valverde's system, right? Griezmann might have five or six goals if Barca are playing with more energy and have more legs behind Suarez. And it's not Suarez. And they're going and pressing the opponent more. Maybe Griezmann has more opportunities and is putting more in the back of the net. Uh, maybe Roberto is getting involved if he's playing in the midfield. Uh, maybe Alba is getting on, a few, on the end of a few more uh, if Barca is playing with a little more energy moving forward. And it's, again, a uh, systemic thing about Valverde, and this is a criticism of him that I want to bring up again this year. My frustration now... And I've mentioned it's not just about Tidibo or Alenya, no matter what names you want to mention. Artur is out injured, and people keep bringing him up because they keep forgetting. But he's injured. He's part of the plans. Don't worry about Artur. What he, what's happening off the field, I would worry about that if it's, if it's all true. But anyway, the point is that last season, and Kevin Williams was a big advocate for this, between Lingley and PK, Rakitic, Busquets, Suarez, and Messi gets the mulligan because there's no way you drop Messi. When you have, it's it's not that... An individual. It's not like one of them is the issue. But they, when they all play in conjunction to together, there are not enough legs, there's not enough speed, there's not enough dribbling, there's not enough width, there's all these things that are missing from Barcelona to be cohesive and play the way that fans want them to play. And I think the best way for them to play, the best way to still maximize Messi's talent, to, to maximize De young's talent and Alba and even Roberto, and, and to not have Ter Stegen have to be your best player every single match. I, I think that... It's just the core of the team is what it is, but my issue now is that Valverde has the depth there. and It's not just Fati; whether it's Alenya or Stadebo, or uh, I mean, or yes, it's, it's it's Busquets is around as well, and Artur adds to this. But there are more faces there on his bench that can certainly unbalance another team, and he does not use them, uh, and he has to take chances. We've I, I've said he's been brave at times but he certainly has not been brave. And this is the epitome, I think. A 0-0 draw of Real Madrid at home is the epitome of him not being brave.
1: Yep. And with the Suárez point as well, it's just, okay, so so if we are accepting that we're going to have two players in the team who don't press, then we cannot really complain when we don't regain the ball in the in the upper thirds. Because, you know, once you do that, it's a couple of passes and you've got a clear shot on goal. But obviously that didn't happen yesterday at all. Um, every chance that we created, e.g. the two chances that we created, um, had to do with um, hard work sort of building here and there. Uh, it wasn't a recovery. It wasn't the typical um, quick-fire sort of one-two clear shot. It just didn't happen like that. And, and if that's what we want and or if that's what it is, then we just have to just accept it and um, yeah, not, not, not stop supporting the team because obviously that's that is that's yeah. silly and you should never do that. But then just accept that the Barca that we all love is, is gone and we're going to put you know, we want to put a feature in Suarez's hands so that he gets a couple of balls. The other option is to replace Suarez with someone who can do what Suarez does. Uh, because let's, let's face it, if you put Griezmann, World Cup winner, has scored, you know, hundreds of goals for Atletico Madrid, you put him as a center striker, you think he's going to miss the chances that Suarez cannot put off? I mean, if, he, if he, Suarez is getting 10 chances, does the, say, seven or eight chances that Griezmann would get take away the position and take away the body sort of in position and all that? He's going to get the chances, and he's going to put them away. So I don't, I really don't think, with all due respect to Suarez, I'm very respectful for everything he's given over the years. I really don't think he's the only striker in the world who can play I don't sign, uh, Messi. I think anyone can do that, because Messi will eventually find you. And uh, the other point is that if we sign Griezmann for, I think it was 120 million euros, mm-hmm. um, to do the Pedrito role, then that's a waste of money. You know, you've got Carlos Perez. Think about what Griezmann added yesterday. Carlos Perez can do that with his eyes closed, much fitter, much more hungry, and you know, much more sort of in clear understanding of what a Barça winger has to give. And then you put Griezmann in the middle. You can bring Suarez for the last 30 in order to add that goal-scoring flair, if you want to call it that. But you know, no, I know, I, I don't buy it. I think that change has to happen if you want to play like Barça should play, unless you just accept that we're just a minor team with Messi in it.
0: Yeah, and I think we're banging our head against the wall here because you get the sense that that's what this is going to be. I mean, that what the team that we saw yesterday is what this team looks like. So, it, yeah, it might be Busquets for Roberto in the midfield or Busquets coming in for Rakitic in the midfield, Artur getting a little bit healthy. But, I mean, that was what Barcelona is. That's who they have. That's what their team looks like yep. this year. They're not bringing anybody the, in the, in January.
1: Yeah, the only variable is Dembele. He's the only different player that I mentioned that wasn't there yesterday. Yeah, That's the only one because of his speed and his spatial awareness. Obviously, final product, still lacking. But he would be the only one that could have given something different.
0: Yeah, and I do want to bring up, actually, uh, kind of similar to the point of Dembele, uh, two of the things that the clouds that I think were hanging over this match in particular was, one, we're not going to talk again about the, the political protests and the things that were going on with that match. The one thing I want to say is 0, zero for this kind of draw with what was happening around uh, it actually makes a lot more sense that that's wounds up what happening on the field when it really was a dull scoreline because of everything happening outside. I just I mean, I think that's a, just the point that I want to make that there was there seemed to be so much heightened emotion around and everything that was going on before the match and after the match. It felt like some of the air was actually taking out what was happening on the field. And I think you could even see that in the last 15, 20 minutes, where the players truly, with what they could hear, what was happening. I think the players, both Barcelona players, even more than Real Madrid players, were almost desperate just to get that draw, not to get a loss, almost in fear of, of what could then happen, even with what we've seen uh, occurred after the match. That, that, I think that's point one, as something that just hung over there. Frances, do you have anything to add on that point?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think that I was clear that the match was going to be played, and it was. Um, I had no doubt. Neither had the Tsunami Democratic, which is the, the group of people who organized the protest. They were very clear from the start that the game was going to go ahead. Um, I think that the searches around the Camp Nou, um, basically, you never into the Camp Nou, it's going to be weird to sort of picture, but basically, you got got 100,000 people going into the stadium and there are a lot of security checks. They are strict but they have never been as strict as they were yesterday i mean there were people um carrying masks like paper, just made out of paper nothing nothing weird uh with with messi's face on it and those were taken away in the thousands that basically been away. the mask had nothing it was just messi's face with a uh, barca colors on one side and the catalan colors on the other but those were were chucked away uh very strictly people had even the sandwiches searched you know, which, which, unless you've seen the images, is, is just mind blowing.
0: Yeah.
1: People had to open the sandwiches and they had to show that what was inside was either ham or, or chorizo or whatever it was, or butifarras, um, rather than some grenade or something, which was totally um, unheard of. Huge amount of queues to get into the stadium, so security was pumped up. And I sort of understand why, but, you know, it, was, it just felt. It just felt a little bit out of hand. Um, you, you know, you could also argue it's better to be safe than sorry. Fair enough. Um, during the game, there were protesters outside um, gathering. They wanted to project the, the, the game um, on buildings that were neighboring, and the police took those away. So no one that was protesting could watch the match, which meant that a lot of people um, got dispersed. They went into local bars, or they just went back home to watch the second half at home. So that's how the you know that's how the protesters were um, sent home.
0: In the 56th minute, we still saw all those beach balls, and that's when the, the chanting, the freedom for political prisoners, began. It was around the 56th minute on that throw-in, and I think that kind of was that turning point.
1: Yeah, and also that, with that as well, the even the communal security, because the communal security is run by Barca employees, but also uh, because of the magnitude of the game and, and, and obviously the added measures that had to be put into place, Barca actually hired an outside company as some as, um, security. And... The instructions weren't very clear because some gates you could go through with the yellow balls and some gates you couldn't some gates you could go through with the masks in some gates you couldn't so it was a little bit chaotic i mean i'm just happy that no one really uh got majorly hurt i understand that this around don't quote me on this but it's around 30 to 40 different people that were either hurt or um taken into into the police uh, for further questioning um, around the stadium there were different containers like rubbish containers sort of turned around and burnt and yeah it just it's just got a little bit out of hand at the end but nothing major did happen um, based on what could have happened with the amount of people around I think that actually in the larger scheme of things it was a decent showing uh, please don't don't kill me for saying that but you know it could have been way worse and the game is finished we don't have to talk about it again mm-hmm. um, and as you said what we saw on the stadium and the actual pitch was a reflection of, of, of a very difficult, I want to say month in preparation for this game.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, there are two sides of everything. And I, I just want to employ people to remember that with every picture you see, every tweet you might see online, there is two sides to this story. And, and there really is no, I, I think there's no discernible way to, to figure out the proper way to go about this and to for again in, in my perspective in particular to speak about it so thank you uh Frances, for speaking about that and uh i think the thing i want to wrap this show up with is going to be a i don't know how long this topic is going to take us but this is the final topic i want to talk about i think one of the other things that's looming over this match because we did in this podcast speak about I, I did mention the age of suarez and messi and i've talked about in previous poor performances by barca that you get the sense that whether it's the end of Valverde's cycle, this is his third and probably final season. With Messi, he announced that at the Ballon d'Or as well, staring down the barrel of his own retirement the next few seasons. If this is the end of this cycle with Barcelona, in a way that Real Madrid ended their cycle by selling Cristiano Ronaldo and they've all the young players that Madrid have not only in their current team, whether it's Fede Valverde, 21 years old, Rodrigo's a teenager, Vinicius Jr. Is still uh, young, Eder Militao, a center back who's getting ready to, to step in, but already was a first teamer with Porto, Luka Jovic, who, uh, to just to tell you how much that Madrid have bought talents, young talents, and are trying to groom them in, He seems like he's not going to fit, so he might even be sold or loaned out in January because he hasn't uh, been able to cement uh, or get any minutes and get any goals behind Queen Benzema, and yet he was one of the best young strikers in, I think, all of world football. We had talked about him on this show as a player that Barcelona should be going after because of what he did at Eintracht Frankfurt last season. But not only that, but you have Odegaard, who's looming over the club at Real Sociedad. You have Kubo, who decided to pick Real Madrid over Barcelona at Mallorca. Ceballos, who was a want away, and yet he was the U21 player of the tournament, and he's playing for Arsenal. You have Reguilon, who's doing really well So Sevilla. You have Lunin, the Ukrainian goalkeeper, who did well at the u 20 World Cup, and is also still playing first-team football in, uh, in the Liga, uh, he was at least last year. And not to mention, you also have Hakimi, who was a star for Dortmund at the, uh, in the Champions League and is going to be coming back to Madrid next season. So all of that said, they have done their business. It's cost them a lot of money. Sure, we know that Florentino Perez is not afraid to, to spend, but you compare that with what Barcelona's current future looks like. Right, We're worried about the present, and if we're disappointed in the present, and this is and Messi is not going to get any more Champions League trophies, if they wind up, this might be, or last season you told me that that's, that's Messi's last La Liga, which would be terrifying to think, but at, at this point, we are, are looking down the barrel of what comes next for Barca as they begin their next cycle, and we can count it with Fati, and sure, Pedri is doing well at Las Palmas, but they're still just 17 years old and you never know what's going to happen between 17 and 21 or 23 before it's time for them to become stars they've got a long way to go before that okay it's not just about selling to Debo because we didn't know about him t- 10 months ago because he'd only played 10 first game 10 first team games for Toulouse but we already know that he's a promising player and yet Barcelona he's the most likely to leave in January to be sold to M- Milan with a buyback and then you t- we already talked about Dembele and all the fan bases out on Dembele and even though he's in his early 20s the fan base wants nothing to do with him anymore mark kukare is out on loan at hitafe after being out on loan at ibar looks to be the successor to Jordi alba right but yet it doesn't seem like he's ever going to have a place at the club or busquets is at Twent, and is he ever going to be back juan miranda seemed like his loan to shaka didn't work out and uh, what's his is his career going to look like even though he's just 19 years old and then for all the for all the good and bad we talk about these youngsters you then you think of an Alan Halilovic who you know was supposed to be the Croatian Messi and it obviously for a lot of young players it doesn't turn out that way but it seems like to me that Real Madrid have a lot of players from 20 to 23 years old who have already played first team football at a high level in other places or out alone or for Madrid and are ready to step into the next five ten years of La Liga football and I don't know, when I look at down Barcelona's lineup, other than Frankie de Young and Artur, I mean, Langley, sure, he's still in his mid-20s. But other than that, what kind of particularly attacking threat is Barcelona going to be looking at now in the next 10 seasons? They're going to have to buy players, sure, but and they've already spent so, so much now. Don't they have debts to repay? I, I think that's what looms over it for me, that Madrid have, over the last three transfer windows they've changed. They've turned the page. They've got rid of Ronaldo and they've brought in youth and they're ready to go for the next generation. And because Barca are still stuck waiting for Messi to retire and he has all his friends and he has Los Amigos and Barca is going to just try to be playing not to lose and playing for trophies, then I have no idea what the future holds.
1: Me neither, unfortunately. uh, I don't have much to add to what you said. Um, You're spot on, basically. Um, I think that it all starts with the manager. I mean, it all starts with the board, to be honest. Um, and the current board don't seem to have the guts to make any major changes. Um, or when they realize they should have done it, it's just too late. you uh, can't really sack a manager in October. And uh, that's probably when they realize actually we probably messed up here. Um, I don't think that La Masia has dried out in the sense that everyone is saying. I think there are a lot of good players coming through. Sure, granted, you don't have Guardiola and Iniesta and Guillermo Amor caliber players coming up anymore. Definitely not Messi or Puyol or anything like that. But I think when trusted, and if trusted and given proper playing time in a scheme that is familiar and and sort of plays to their strengths, because the current Valverde system just doesn't, then I think it would make sense. If you've got a board that is forward-thinking, that um, is respectful of the values and you know, heritage of this team, especially since the Johan Cruyff era, then everything's going to fall into, into place. Um, Messi, I think, has got two seasons left with us, possibly, maybe three, but I, I don't really see him beyond that, um, especially if things don't change. And then it's going to be a matter of let's see who's left, let's see how players, such as the ones you mentioned, Lengle, Frankie, Der Stegen, etc. Um, continue to grow and then fill up the pieces with sort of bits from La Masia and buying the odd sort of superstar in the making. Um, I think Barca in the long term can still be successful, but it all will depend on, on what happens when Messi leaves. But before worrying about that, I think we need to worry about the here and now um, and make sure that Messi has a system in which he thrives and, and he, can, he can take us to victory because he, as we have seen in the Classical, like yesterday, he had a relatively human game by his standards and it was nil nil. So that's what you need to nurture. That's what you need to that's what you need to take forwards and and that's what you need to trust.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting actually, you mentioned about Messi's human game that Casemiro kind of I- instead of man marking him, I thought it would be Valverde who would basically be in Messi's pocket all game long. It wasn't really. They actually Madrid did a again credit to them, they did a decent job of handing him off. Casemiro was generally in the area but I noticed that he would track him. He would be within maybe seven, eight yards, but he wasn't necessarily right behind him or on his back the entire time. Uh, Madrid actually allowed Messi to get the ball in certain pockets of the field at times and trust that his teammates wouldn't do. And and that was actually different than the way that Real Madrid has generally uh, defended Messi. So that was interesting to me.
1: Yeah, the interesting point there is that they were more bothered about covering the Busquets position, which obviously wasn't Busquets, it was Rakitic, but that was the key of the match. They they killed Barca from their heart. And that's, um, that's why Messi didn't really need covering as much as you were explaining right there, because the ball wasn't really getting to him with advantage and spaces up front.
0: Yeah, I also want to mention too that in my naming of all of Barca's future, the reason I didn't mention a name like Ricky Puj or E.S. Moriba or anything like that in La Masia or even in Barca B is because Barca B play in the third division. And the comparison I was making is that all of the names that I mentioned for Real Madrid had played first team football or have featured at first teams in the top divisions. That's why I mentioned that. I mean, Ricky Pouge, he he can be the future, but he needs to be the future somewhere. I mean, same thing can be said of Alanya that he needs to be the future somewhere. He needs to be lighting up at some kind of first team to believe that, that he's going to be that big of a future. But you're right, Frances. I got a little bit too far ahead of myself. Uh, I, I need to bring it back. Bring it back to this season because there's still another El Clasico this season and there's still everything to play for i do want to end on a positive note that with a zero zero draw it means that everything is still left to play for in the Liga. it would have been anyway but these two teams are still at the top battling it out and the good news for barca is that real madrid isn't much better than they are and that they're also not a great team this season as we would have seen in years past from real madrid so barca certainly can still win the liga uh, i think they got to do some soul searching and they've got to really ask some tough questions but I think Champions League is still to play for as well. Why wouldn't it be? We have Lino Messi. We still have Lino Messi. And then the Copa del Rey, uh, I mean, it, it happens. <laughs> I guess that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> so, um, that's
1: a very good way of describing Copa del Rey. It's just something that happens as a side dish.
0: Yeah, so you're right. I think everything is still to play for. This, All of the, what we spoke about isn't to be hit the panic button, but it's to say that uh, this is another one of those times when over the holiday, I think all of the Not only the players, but particularly the older players and Valverde need to take a look in the mirror once again because they have an opportunity to get trophies, but they can't get it this way. And then there has to be questions to be answered. But I I think we didn't have any questions today from our our listeners' questions uh, in La Ronda, but I think we did a pretty good job of summing up El Clasico. So I think you want to put a pin in this one, Frances?
1: No, just um, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates Christmas. And um, I hope that you have a great, great time. We are just about to record another show that will be coming out during the holiday period. And I'm super excited. It will be a draft about the top Barca players for the decade. So check that out whenever Dan decides to publish it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, thanks so much for tuning into this show. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. Uh, for that show that Frances was talking about, we put it on Twitter at the Barcelona Pond. It's also at Hilton D13 for me. On Instagram at the Barcelona Pond, we always post some stuff there. Closed Facebook group, TBPod.link backslash group, where regardless of the holidays, you know there's gonna be Barca talk in there, deeper dives and discussion. And then Patreon, we had a quick take match review that both Frances and I individually recorded. For this show that our Patreons got hours and hours ago, and you had to wait until today. So if you want that, it's $3, as low as $3. It also helps us make new shows. And then speaking of that show, the Barcelona Team of the Decade, I'm also doing that for the YouTube for next week to end out the year. So you can find that at the Barcelona Podcast on YouTube. So check us out, hit that subscription button, and thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and Forza Barça. Forza.